turn in your Bibles to the first John, not John, big John, but little John, first John. Okay, same guy, but little John in the, near the back of the Bible. First John, and we're going to start in chapter three is where we'll start. In the 60s, for those of us who remember, a singer named Dionne Warwick sang a song titled, What the World Needs Now Is Love, Sweet Love. It's the only thing. There's just too little love. Correct? Right? Dionne Warwick sang that. The Beatles sang a song titled, All We Need Is Love. All we need is love. Bum, bum, ba-da-dum. Everyone under 50 staring at me like I'm crazy. They don't know who I'm talking about. They say, what are you talking about? Dionne Warwick, the Beatles. Okay, how about Elvis? Everyone should know who Elvis is. Elvis sang a song that was titled, Love Me Tender. Love me true. No, right? Okay, come on now. Elvis. How about all of us James Taylor fans? JT. Yeah, in Carolina in my mind, the second verse of that song, he says, ain't no doubt in no one's mind, love's the finest thing around. Right? Any other James Taylor fans in here besides me? Oh, a few of us. Okay. All right. Well, as touching and as romantic and even truthful as those lyrics could be in those songs. The reality is that those songs deal with a subject that is of divine origin, godly origin. And the devil in the world had been trying to imitate that love since the beginning of time. Listen to me, church. Listen to me carefully. Unless the Bible provides the lyrics... And the Holy Spirit declare, uh, directs the band, the music band behind the lyrics. Your love song will not succeed. You've got to have God and the Holy Spirit in it. Otherwise, it will sound, as Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, it will sound as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, why is that? You say, well, why are you saying that these songs would, would, would not? Because they will not fulfill. They will end up shallow. They will end up, they will fall short. Because unless it is God-packed and unless the Holy Spirit inspires that love, it may look like on the outside, on the, like on the outside of a book, it may look like real love and on and. And it may seem to be the real deal, but on the inside, unless the Holy Spirit and God are involved in it, it will be filled with self, with self, with us. And it'll stink and it'll be shallow. It'll be selfish. I love what this man right here, David Schwartz, said. It's a wonderful book if ever you want to read a good book. Um, It's called The Magnificent Obsession. And he said that we've handled the most profound reality in the universe with such familiarity and indulgence as to, in, as to render it bland and dull. What is it? The love of God. He says the sheer might that could vaporize satanic forces at will could also overpower and override the negativity charged particles of a person's soul compelling him to repent and believe. But that would be coercion of the human psyche. 
God has volitionally limited his power by choosing to desire a love relationship with man. In this kind of relationship, listen, neither side can be forced. Deep love is a primary part of God's nature that is difficult for us as humans to fathom. We, we can't get it. We, we can't catch it. Romans 8, 38 and 39 is something we read and it's a wonderful platitude that we read and we cheer and we say, oh, that's great. But in reality, the revelation of, of that scripture is hard for us to grasp as humans. Neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present or things to come nor powers or heights nor depth or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we hear that scripture and yet we have such a hard time grasping that. Wow. What about love? What about that kind of love? It's hard for us to fathom that. Now, now listen. You see, we are created, we just studied it a few weeks ago in Genesis. We are created in the image of God in his likeness. In other words, we are created in the nature and the character of God, and then you had sin that entered in, okay? But because we are created in his image, there are certain things that go along that. And from birth, and then especially at rebirth, when we become born-again Christians, okay, there is a deep, innate desire, even in little babies, to be loved and to love. Have you noticed that? To be loved. You want to be loved. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to feel loved. Everyone wants that sense of having those arms wrapped around you and just saying, I love you. You are loved. And that is the basis of so much. We, we prayed earlier for, for mental illness and emotional illness and depression. That is the basis for so much of that, where people feel that they're not loved, and it causes such deep problems in their life, where they feel there's a lack of love. But listen to this, church. Because of that same fact, that undeniable fact that we all desire love, and we all need love, and we all want to give love, because of that, the enemy who knows that fact, the enemy who is against and who is the enemy of all that's good, all that's kind, and all that's loving, tries to use that same love to his evil advantage. And he's distorted that love and turned it into something that God never intended it to be. And he's turned love into the basest, basest of things. He's turned it into a a self-indulging type thing in the world today instead of what God really meant it to be. The devil has come and defiled the marriage bed and, and turned the gift of sexual intimacy into something that today the world considers just a choice, a, a particular lifestyle that doesn't even have to have marriage involved in it at all turned love into something where in the typical worldly marriage that a marriage is really about what you can do for me, not what I can do for you. What's in it for me? And that's the attitude today instead of a godly kind of love that says, how can I bless you? You know, for years I've told, and and some of you have made me hurt, may have heard me uh, 
tell you this in your, in your personal life, but for years I've been telling couples that it's just a fact that a young girl will give sex to feel loved. That's a fact. A young girl will, will, will give sex to feel loved. And a young boy will give affection and give love to get sex. It's just a fact. And so what's happened is the devil has taken one of the best things that God has ever created, love, and he's distorted it and he's changed it and twisted it. What a a shame that is, church. So today we're going to start the first of this series. Now you're going to have to hang with me on all three of them if you want because it grows. I'm just setting a basis and a groundwork today on what about love, just as I did with sin. This is a three-part, what about love? So today we start, what about love? And I want to ask you all to keep an open mind and to keep an open heart and listen as I teach this with an open heart. Listen with your heart because love is not a head thing, it's a heart thing, right? And so you've got to listen with your heart in the next three Sundays so that you can catch this because it is contagious, all right? Let's read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 is where we're going to start. And let's see what the apostle of love, John, the apostle of love, referred to himself, Daniel, as what? The apostle who Jesus loved. The apostle of love. Let's see what he says about love. This is how we know what love is. Verse 16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers If anyone has material possessions, he says, and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commandments and do what He pleases, what pleases Him. And this is His command. Listen, church. To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. To love Jesus, to believe in Jesus, the Son of God, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him. Now, I want you to, because we're going somewhere with this. They live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, who he gave us. Now, Turn right over to chapter 4, the next chapter, verse 7. The apostle of love, John, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, for he lives in us and is in us. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he is in us because he has given us his spirit. See, he says it again. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now look at the next verse. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete or finished or or total among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Now listen to this one. There is no fear in love for perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We're going to get to all of these things in the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to see just the... How do you do this in a practical sense in your lives? But today I'm going to build the basis, first of all, of where does this thing come from? What's the origin of this thing called loved? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Where does it come from? It comes from God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. His love, it's his love, not our love. It is his love. We didn't invent it. We don't make it happen. It's his love. It starts with him. And as I said earlier in the introduction, that if it's not coming from from him, It's going to be twisted. It will eventually become selfish. It will eventually become our love. And it will be short-lived, it will be shallow, and it will be self-focused instead of others-focused. For it is His love that has been poured out upon us in Christ Jesus. It is His love that sent Jesus to hang on a cross and suffer what we saw last weekend on Easter. It is His love that has drawn us by the power of his spirit into a loving relationship, into a covenant of love, a love covenant with him. It is his love. The origin of love is God. It originated with God. It didn't start with the Beatles. It didn't start with Elvis Presley. It didn't start with that pretty girl that came in front of you in high school. It started with God. And he is the origin of it. Now listen to this. Galatians, now I'm going to take you on a little trip and come back because I want to tie it together. So listen carefully. Galatians 5, the gifts of the Spirit chapter, okay, verse 19. 
The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. All the opposite of love. Verse 22, right after that. But the fruit of the Spirit... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Top of the list, love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The same Spirit that John says twice that God has given us, the same Holy Spirit that John says God has used to pour out His love upon us, the same Spirit who lives in us, the fruit of that Spirit, the fruit from the branches of that Spirit that should be in our life is love. Now, remember, I'm going to take you, I'm tying three areas in Scripture together here. John 15, famous passage. Anybody remember what that is? John 15, the vine, remember? The branches, the vine and the branches, the trunk and the branches. John 15, okay, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Verse 4, abide or remain in me and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Listen, listen to what Jesus was talking about. No branch can bear fruit by itself. We were just talking about that before. The Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit who lives in us and who's come upon us through God who has lavished His love upon us. And now He says, Jesus Himself say, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. I am the vine and you are the branches. This is my father's it is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourself to be my disciple. Now the next verse listen to this all ties into love as the father has loved me right after the vine and the branches in the same the next verse verse 9 as the father has loved me so I love you now remain in my love abide in my love Plug in to my love by staying close to me. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Have you checked your blood content lately? Now listen to me. Listen to me. I went this week and gave some blood. Not not at the blood bank. I was having a test done. Blood deal. I went and they, they took, you know, they take those big vials of blood. And I started thinking about this. I said, that's really, it's strange. Have you ever watched the blood come out of, of, of you in, in, into the deal? You know, I'm not trying to gross you all out. But, you know, you watch, you watch the blood coming out. Well, well, guess what? If ever you need blood, they're going to get it in the same way. They're going to put a needle in your veins and they're going to put some other blood inside of you. Well, spiritually speaking, the same thing happens. When you abide, when you remain in a trunk, in a trunk, you have juices flowing from that. You have minerals and, 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 and all kind of nutrition coming up from the ground and it goes into that trunk and it's processed and it goes into juices that go out into those branches from the trunk, from the vine, into the branches. And then the fruit starts happening and that fruit has the same juice that comes from there all the way into there. So if you remain and abide in God, in Christ Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, 
will abide in you. So if you want to see if you are in the love of God, if you want to see if you have any love in you, if you want to see according to John 13, 35, if you are his disciple, he said, because they will know you are my disciple by the love you show for one another. And if you want to see that, then check the... Y'all talk to me, it's interactive. The, the fruit in your life. Is there any loving fruit in your life? When was the last time you smiled as we prayed earlier? Take note of that. Ask someone, say, when's the last time I smiled? Well, it's been months. Well, you better check the fruit in your life unless you're not feeling well and you, you know what I'm saying. But I mean, you know, if you're all, all hard and mean and crusty and everything else, you need to check the fruit in your life. When was the last time that you just went to help somebody for no payback, for no nothing, just you wanted to just bless them? You just want to, you know, walked up to someone and just said, hey, you know, you look fantastic today. That's the fruit of love. We're going to go over that next week. I don't want to go too far into that. When was the last time you just looked at someone and said, I love you for no reason at all. I love you. I love you. I love you. Let me tell you something about our son, Caleb. Is Caleb back there? He's not back there. Our son, Caleb, every day of his life, we, we, we can't do that. He's married on his own now. But every, when we still see him, we do every, every time. But every day of his life, every day of his life, we would drop him off before he even went to school. We would both look at him and say, we love you, Duke. That's his nickname, Duke. We love you, Duke, and you're number one every day. One time, Dwayne Daigle told me something. He said, Marshall, let me tell you, I don't know what's going to happen with your son, Caleb. He said, I don't know whatever ever happens to him, wherever he ends up, but I'm going to tell you one thing. He's going to know he's loved. Now, when was the last time you did that to someone? You know, we just take that for granted. We say, you know, I love you and I appreciate you, Brother Kirk and Miss Crystal. I love you, Eddie. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. When was the last time there was some fruit in your life? You see, love comes Its origin is in God, but also love reveals God. It is the exhibit of his character and nature. It's an exhibition of who he is. It reveals God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. It is finished. It is exhibited in us. It's exhibited in us. It's the very manifestation of the nature and the character of God. And through us, it is revealed, listen church, to a world that is in desperate need of his love. It reveals God's love to a starving society. Have you looked at your neighbors lately, church? Have you looked at your family lately? Have you looked even here in this church, people who are desperate, they are in need of love. They need to feel love. They need to sense that someone loves them. And God's love that lives in us is going to be spread and manifested through us. How many of you know who Gandhi is? The great leader in India in the in the uh, 30s and 40s, I think it is. Y- y'all know who, who he was? This is what, this is what Gandhi said. L- listen to this. This is an indictment against us. He said, I like your Christ. He was speaking this at a convention, a Christian convention. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. 
your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now, Lord, Lord, have mercy. How would you like for someone to, to look at you and say, you know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and I like your Christ. I, I like him. I, I can handle him. But I don't know about you. <laughs> it's, it's you I've got problems with. You, you're the one who's supposed to be the Christian and you're in here at work hollering at everybody and screaming and acting the fool. And, and, and by the way, I saw you when you took that money out of the till and, and all that stuff. How many in here, you, you, you know, I've, and I saw the way you talked to your wife and the way you snatched your kids up and the, what you were doing with them. I mean, come on, it's, it's, come on now, church. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. The love of God that should be welling up in, it, in us. We should be known as the body of love. Do you know that in the early biblical days that they were known for having what was called love feasts? They actually persecuted the church. That was one of the reasons because they thought they were having orgies. They thought in communion they were actually cutting up flesh, people's flesh and eating it. And they also thought that they were having orgies because they called them love feasts. They were love festivals. Now you see everything as I said earlier has been tainted and has been twisted remember in the hippie movement how many my age are in here remember the whole thing we do the sign of peace like this and peace peace love the love child you were a love child remember that remember Woodstock and they were all running around naked and all that stuff remember that love they you see it's all been tainted and twisted by the devil see they were after a good thing we all were we were after a good thing I better include me in that if you ever seen pictures of me we were after a good thing, but we, it was twisted and it was distorted into something that was not godly. Are you with me? Thirdly, God, and this is, this is the platitude. It's from God. It reveals God. It is God. I'm not talking about just part of him. It is him. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's not something he does at Christmas time and at Easter. It's not just something that he does when we're all being nice and helping someone move to a new location. It is him. And he is it. If you went to the dictionary in heaven, the heavenly dictionary, my brother Daniel, you'd look up love and there would be God. The next, you know how they have second definitions? The next one would be God. The third one, brother, would be God. The fourth one would be God. The fifth one would be God. The sixth one would be God. And it would go on and on and on. Because there is only one word in heavenly dictionary after the word love. And that is God. It is him. Over and over and over again. And because he is love. Listen, this is very important. This is a revelation. If you leave here with anything today, leave with this, church. Here's your nugget for the day. Please leave with this, okay? Please grab this one and write it down if you're writing. I see a young lady taking notes. Bravo for you. And, and, and write this in your Bible or whatever, okay? Listen to this one if you, can, if you can get it. Because it is who he is, it is impossible for him to do or say anything that is not based and founded on love. And if you can grasp that, then you will never, ever doubt the love of God. 
And no matter what man does to you, and no matter how let down you may be in me or anyone else, or how discouraged you may be because of any situation, you will always have in your heart the revelation and the fact that he is love. And because he is love, he cannot say or do anything that is not based on that love. And everything in your life goes through his providential will. You are loved. And you can rest in that love. Now, when was the last time you actually said that? Was it when we had the frissons, when we went on our first date with our spouse? Was it, now y'all know what I'm talking about. Was, was it, when was the last time when you, you, you do you all remember that? Let me camp out on that one for a second. Do you remember the first time you went out with your spouse? Do you remember that first time? I remember the first time June looked at me and said, I love you. Do you remember that in your life? Or you've had a girlfriend or boyfriend. Do you remember the first time your little grandchild looked up at you and said, Papa, I love you. Do you remember the first, come on, are y'all with me here? Do you remember that first time? Do you remember that feeling inside? Do you remember that, that revelation of, she loves me, he loves me, I'm loved. This is the real deal, I am loved. Listen to me, church. That's a human love. How much more the love of God who would send his son to hang on that cross for you and give it all for you. And what's a shame is as the body of Christ, we, we don't have a revelation of that. And because we don't have that revelation, that love doesn't flow out of our hearts. It doesn't come from us to others. And, and the question here is why doesn't it? Well, maybe we need a little blood transfusion, huh? Maybe we need to go and camp out at the foot of the cross. We need to spend time with God so that our veins can be filled more with His blood instead of mixed with the blood of the world. Because if you start taking transfusions from the world, guess what? His love isn't going to flow through your veins. The world's love will, and it's a self kind of love. Now, there's three, actually four kinds of love. I want to tell you, many of you have probably heard this before, but I'm going to go through it quickly. There's one kind of love that's called eros, E-R-O-S, okay? I'm, I'm going to give them in the, from the lowest order all the way to the highest, E-R-O-S. That's where we get, in Greek, we get our word for erotic from eros love. And it's got a little accent on it. I couldn't do that on the typewriter to make the little accent thingy over the word. But it's eros, okay, in Greek. And it's a physical kind of love. That's the kind of love that's, that, that is a physical attraction, you know? And, 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 and you know, and say, I, I tell June that all the time. You're so beautiful. You're pretty. You know, you just, and she goes, oh, no, no. So I'm telling you, you know, well, that's a physical attraction. You know, you say, man, she's pretty. Y'all know what I'm talking about here, guys. And, and that's where our word erotic comes from, a physical kind of attraction, okay, in the flesh, all right? The next kind is called storge, and that's just a, that's, they kind of slid that one in there. That's a natural affection, okay? It's one of those where if you're in the family, you kind of, you're in the family, you know you're part of the family, and you've got to put up with them. I mean, that's, that's basically what that, what that word means there. It means you're in, and you know you've got to do it. You don't hate them, but you're not just beaming about them either, you know? And so you, you know what I'm talking about? That's your brother, you know, you get in a fight and we just, and we got it, I, I love him, but when, we, when I get out of here, I, I'm gonna whip him. 
You, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's, you put up with them. That's, that's a, that kind of love, okay? The third kind is phileo love. I'm, I'm building higher and higher to a better kind of love. Phileo love, we have the city here in the United States called Philadelphia. The, the city of brotherly love. So that's a, phileo love is a brotherly kind of love. It's a little bit stronger, a little bit more loyalty as close brothers together. And you can have a phileo love with people that are not brothers. You can have a phileo love between each other, between, you know, not your, not your, your, your blood brother, but, but just someone else. And that kind of love is good too because it's a little bit stronger. It's got a little bit stronger bond. Then you've got the last kind of love, which is the highest kind of love. It's called agape love. And I couldn't do the little accent on the typewriter either. That's called agape love, and that's a God kind of love. That is a love, listen to me carefully, church. That is the kind of love that all of our real close relationships really should be based on because it comes from God and should be living in us. And that's the kind of love, a God kind of love, that is all toward the receiver of that love, all toward her, all toward that person. In other words, it's all for you and none for me. I am thinking about you. I am putting myself below you. I am putting my desires and my wants down. I am taking the burden. I'll take the fault. It's all for you. It's directed toward the other person. And it's a godly, spiritual kind of love. Now, that's the kind of love that will take you through all of the bumps and the lumps and the the valleys in any relationship that you have. And if you don't have that kind of love... In a relationship, it's just a matter of time you're going to hit a brick wall. Because that kind of love is the one that's willing to take wrong. We're going to read more about it next week in in Corinthians in the love chapter. It's that kind of love that says, it's okay, I'll be wrong. It really doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. You're right, I love you. And I'm gonna, we're going to go with it in that direction. What would you like to do? Okay, we're going to go that way. It lifts up that person. It exalts that person. And it's all for them and not for you. And if you don't have that in your relationship, and that kind of love comes only through the Holy Spirit. It does not come through anything you can work up in your mind. It doesn't come from a self-help book. You can't stand around and, 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 and do mantras all day or anything else. It doesn't come from any kind of guru stuff or nothing or I'm going to trick my mind. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, God who lives in you. And if you don't have it, you're in trouble because you will eventually hit a wall. I see that all the time in marriages where people where it's, it's, it's one of them, you say, my God, how does he stay with her? My goodness, how does she stay with him? You know, either one. How do they do that? Because one of them is filled with agape love. The other night we watched a movie called Gone with the Wind. Have y'all ever seen that, that movie? It, 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 was in, it was in color, by the way. We were kinda, <laughs> that was kind of cool. And, and we, we, we were clicking the channels and we saw Gone with the Wind. And, and I said, June, let's watch this thing. She said, oh, no. And then she got hooked on it too, you see. It's about 10 hours long. And, <laughs> and, 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 and we're watching that movie. And how many of y'all remember in that movie uh, Scarlett O'Hara? She was a scoundrel, man. That little woman caused havoc on this earth, man. She was just so self-serving and so... And she thought she was in love with Ashley, who was Melanie, right? Melody. Melody's husband's name was Ashley, and they were first cousins. 
uh, Scarlett and Melody. And so she was always after her first cousin's husband. And I looked at John, I said, my God, someone needs to bring that girl. That's unbelievable. She was throwing herself on him and going up to him and kissing him and everything. Of course, he was a weakling. I, I wanted to kick him too, you know. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, but, but, but anyway, but, but Melody, it's Melody? Melanie or Melody? Close. Melody, the, the first cousin who was asked, she always, in that movie, she'd always say, Oh, and people would come to her and say, you, you don't see what she's doing? <laughs> she's after your man. And, 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 and Melody would always say, oh, that's just poor Scarlett. I love Scarlett. She's just a little high strung. This just Scarlett. She always, all through the movie, took up for her cousin. Always lifted her up. Always spoke the best about her. Do you all remember that in the movie? You know, someone have been, should have been backhanding her, but, but she didn't. She never did do that. You all know what I'm talking about? Well, that's an agape kind of love that we all need, okay? Now, why is it here? Why did God send his love? Quickly, three reasons. Let me tell you why. He sent it so that we could love like his son, Jesus. He sent it so that we could be like his son, Jesus. God wants us, Romans 8, 28, the second part of it, to be made into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us, first of all, to love freely with pure motives. Freely. He wants us to love like his son. Freely with pure motives, not selfish. He wants us to love unconditionally. And we'll really get on the particulars of these things next week so that you have some serious application next week. Don't wig out on me. Come back next week because I want you to learn the practical application of this in your life, okay? Not for a reward, not for selfish gain, but read Philippians chapter 2 at the beginning for purely unselfish reasons. He also wants us loving the unlovable, the unclean, He wants us loving the unclean and the unlovable. Not the pretty people. He wants us loving the unclean. Many of my Saturday nights as a small child were spent at nearby shopping centers. It was the place to go and meet people whether you shopped or not. One night I saw a man sitting on a sidewalk with a blanket spread out in front of him. On the blanket were pencils, small wind-up toys, and all kinds of things that my five-year-old son, that any five-year-old would love. My dad's voice caught my ear. He motioned for me to come over next to him and said, Don't just stand there, David. It's not nice to look at people who are like that. Like what? I hadn't noticed that the man didn't have any legs. He just seemed like a nice guy selling some great stuff. Standing there by my father's side that evening, I learned something. A lot of people passed by and the God, and the guy was impossible to miss. If you didn't see him, you certainly could hear his snappy jokes and patter, which I thought were very funny. Suddenly, I realized why nobody seemed to see him. They didn't want to. They were ignoring him. 
I stood there feeling the innocent outrage of a five-year-old against those mean people who were afraid of a man just because he didn't have any legs. Little did I know then that I would grow up to become one of those people with fear that makes a person both mean and blind. In biblical times, people with leprosy would cry out as they walked through the crowds, unclean, 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 as they walked down the street so other people could avoid them. We don't meet many lepers today, but we meet others who don't need to say anything to distance us. Ten minutes spent in any of the Gospels will show that Jesus Christ paid considerable attention to many of us, from many that we would avoid. The lepers, the blind, the physically deformed, the morally scandalous, the demon-possessed, the hated and alienated, all found to their amazement that this well-known rabbi readily ministered to their needs with dignity and compassion. He was merely reflecting his father's heart. Anyone who is in Christ sets out to pursue to the kingdom of God will soon learn that the recipients of that kingdom have already been targeted. We are to love the people no one else will love. In Matthew chapter 8, the story, the true story of the leper coming to Jesus. I'm assuming they made them wear masks in those days. In that day, leprosy was the equivalent of someone who has AIDS today and who is sickly and has sores all over them. And this leper was walking in a crowd and he spotted Jesus. He probably heard about Jesus and knew of his healing power and of his heart. And he probably had a mask because in those days, if you had leprosy, they even told people legally by the law that if you were downwind from them, you had to be 150 feet and as away from them. And as they approached people within six or eight feet, I think it was, everyone who came within that border, they had to holler, unclean, unclean, unclean. And you were forbidden by law to touch them. Because if you touched them, there was only one other thing that made you more ceremonially unclean, and that was touching a body of, of someone who had died. Right under that was someone with leprosy. And so you could not go into the temple and worship. You were ostracized and had to go through a cleansing process if you touched someone with leprosy. And here's this man in a crowd of people, all of the religious folk, and he is hollering, unclean, unclean, unclean. And he sees Jesus. And the scripture says in Matthew chapter 8, you can read it, that Jesus walked up to him, walked up to him and touched him. This is a man who had probably not been touched, had no physical touch from anyone, not a hug, not a kiss, not even close enough for someone to look at them, him in the eye and say, I love you. And all of a sudden, here is this stranger, here is this healer, this man who pe that people are talking about who walks up to him and touches him in public. Now we know that he is healed and Jesus said fulfill the rest of what's required of you by the law and go to the priest and continue the process of what they have to do to show the priest that you have been cleansed so you can re-enter into society. 
But Jesus goes up and touches him, and I think he does it for two reasons. Primarily because of his love for the man, and he wants to heal him. But I also believe he was giving a a lesson to the religious folk who were around him. And he was saying, if you want to abide in me, if you want to be part of me, if you want to walk in my footsteps, you're going to have to walk up to the unlovable. You're going to have to walk up to the unclean. You're going to have to walk up to the leper in your life. and you're going to have to touch them and you're going to have to love them and this leper was healed as it flowed out of Jesus so we have to love the unlovable the unclean the ugly people not the rich and the famous the ones the outcasts the ones that are that, that people don't want to have anything to do with and then lastly loving like Jesus means loving those who hurt you who use you and who don't love you back loving those who use you hurt you and don't love you back this is red letters church this is Jesus but I tell you who hear me Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, stop. Don't stop him from taking it. Give him your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone asks what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? It's not hard for me to look at y'all. I mean, y'all love me. You're in here, you come. I mean, and I do love y'all, okay? But how about that person who's criticizing me and saying I'm I'm, I'm no good for nothing? I'm I'm, I'm this crazy guy over there who's, who's, you know, and all that stuff. can, Can I love them too? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that, Jesus says? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do like this. Come on, we can have an object lesson like you in chapel. I'm the old chapel preacher. How much fruit you got? You, you don't have to move them. You can just, that's just my old age doing this. <laughs> just, just, just hang them out there. Unless it's a hurricane. A hurricane, they start doing this. How, how much fruit you got on, on the end of those branches? Is there, some, is, there, is there some fruit hanging off there with love written on it? Acceptance, giving, mercy, grace. Is there some fruit hanging from there on your tree that says patience, kindness? Is there some fruit on there that says giving with nothing expected in return? Is there some fruit on there that says, I'm going to think the best? I see the what it is in reality, but I'm going to think the best. I'm going to treat that no good dog like he's the finished product. I'm going to treat my Scarlett O'Hara like she's not a no good.